This is the You Define podcast with your host, Jackie Staniak, where we navigate our way through your story from your perspective while honoring the people, places, and circumstances that have defined you. I'm basically at this point putting band-aids on every single thing just to cover up any pain I feel. Growing up, Jeremy split his time between his mom, his dad, and his grandparents. And while they all played a vital role in his life, they all played significantly different roles. This is the life that a lot of children of divorced parents experience. I spent most of the time with my mom. I'd spent a couple nights a week with my grandparents, and then I'd spend every other weekend with my dad and Tuesday nights. You know, he traveled a lot, so we'd miss some Tuesdays, but they parent so different. So my mom let me get get away with whatever I wanted. Um, you know, I took advantage of that a lot. I was a pretty smart kid, so I was able to kind of manipulate that situation quite a bit to just kind of make that pretty easy. And for most of my young life, I hated going to my dad's. Um, not because I didn't want to spend time with my dad, but because I knew that meant discipline, and I knew that meant kind of being second fiddle to Risa. You'll meet a couple different characters in Jeremy's story. As for Risa, that was his dad's first wife after getting divorced, Jeremy's stepmom. For better or worse, each character played a role. Some he desired stronger and deeper relationships with, and some couldn't have left soon enough. But some were exactly what he needed. My grandparents have been the most influential people um, since I can remember. Um, they were always my safe space. They were always my people I reached out to. I still do now. Um, they're diminishing pretty quick. They still know how to say the right things and do the right things. So I don't remember my parents together at all. Um, all my first memory of when I was a kid is my mom being remarried um, to my stepdad, Bob. They were together when I was three. They were divorced by the time I was eight. And then my dad was married to my stepmom, well, my first stepmom, um, for 21 years. After my mom got divorced from Bob, there was a few people she dated. Um, but me being a weirdo kid, I did everything I could to break them up. So I was most the cause of my mom's <laughs> single life. My first stepdad, Bob. He was, uh, he was extremely abusive, um, to, I never saw him physically hurt my mom. I heard it verbally, um, but the thing that kind of started making me kind of despise my parents is on Tuesdays was always my dad's night, right? And when I couldn't go to my dad's or with my dad to dinner, I'd be at home with him. My mom would go to her AA meeting and I'd be home with Bob. And those Tuesday nights I would get hit with various things, um, screamed at, pushed, whatever, almost every time anyone wasn't around, um, and I didn't say anything for 20 years. It took me until four years ago to finally say it out loud, so that was, that was strange, because then I had to go back and, you know, kind of relive everything. It's like, okay, so I kept all of this from my parents for 20 years. I kept 
it from my grandparents who were the safe space. I didn't, I didn't say anything to anybody. But that made me, that made me despise them to the point where I was like, why are you guys putting me in this position? I guess, why me? Like, why, why are you guys apart when I'm going through this? One of the common things that would happen is, um, you know, my favorite thing to do when my mom was gone is watch TV, right? Well, one of his favorite things to do would be if he's watching something, I would have to just sit there. Well, he would tell me, go ahead and change the channel. And change the channel, and then he'd hit me with the remote over and over and over again. And I, so I'd, you know, then it was like a thing where it was like a, you know, it was like a power thing, right? So as a kid, I'm just like, okay, is this, like, what does he want? Because at this point, I'm trying to, like, do what he wants me to do. It's an adult. It's an authority figure. I don't know any better. I don't remember a lot from that age. I mean, I remember doing some fun things I through pictures. I remember stuff. But I remember those events vividly. I remember Tuesday nights vividly, almost every Tuesday. So it was either I was hit, and then he wouldn't leave the house or be asleep. Or when my mom get home, I'd sit in the corner behind this old little dish set we have, and he'd scream at her for hours. And then he'd storm out of the house. And then my mom would give me a hug and say, everything's fine. She never, she never wavered from, you know, everything's fine, it's okay, it's okay. And, you know, there's so many, you know, now that I go back, it's like, as an adult, I can go back and be like, I should have just told her. I should have said something. I should have, you know, I should have been like, hey, he does this to me. But I was afraid, right? If he's doing that to me, I, what's he doing to her? If I tell her, what's he going to do to her? I knew it was happening to me, and I wanted to make sure that it wasn't happening to her. And so I'd get very nervous. I'd get very scared, and so I wouldn't say anything. Um, but when she was nervous, when she was scared, and I could see something happening that should not be happening, um, I just I just stayed away. I just you know I sat in the corner and didn't cry, didn't do anything. I just watched. So I soaked in that. For several very formative years of Jeremy's life, he was living in the tension of divorced parents and abusive stepdad during his mom time. But how was time with dad? And then. My other parent is I spent time trying to fight for his attention while he, you know, he had, he was, he had his wife and, um, looking back at it now, it's probably not what it felt like then. Um, but I was never, I was never the first option, right? I was never, it never felt like I was a priority for either of my parents. And for my dad, he always had high expectations for me. So he wanted me to do you know, do well, you know, do the best I can at everything. It did feel overbearing um, because I was also battling the fact that, you know, he had a wife that was, she didn't fit our life. She didn't fit him. She didn't fit me because I think he tried to make her kind of part of my life. You know, I think he wanted to show that he was parenting, right? So, his style was, you know, not punish me, but a thing called boot camp where I just did chores all weekend. And, you know, my mom would be like, oh, whatever. So, like, when my dad would come to pick me up for the, every other weekend, you know, my mom, how was everything? Yeah, it was okay. And then I'd take the heat on, you know, some weekends would be great. Like, the weekends where I was good, like, the weeks I was good, it'd be a great weekend. We'd do something, I would play foot, catch in the backyard, whatever. The weekends I was bad, I already knew 
that I was ready to go home Sunday at 4.30. Over time, he learned how to transform who he was to fit whose house he was at. He became moldable, flexible, adaptable, versatile. And while these might appear to be redeeming qualities, they really muddied the water for figuring out who he really was. I think I was a really, really good actor for 15 years. Um... I was one person with my mom, where I kind of manipulated situations, tried to get away with stuff, told her it wasn't a big deal, you know, lash out, get angry, get sad, be dramatic, trying, you know, because I knew that she was dependent upon how I was doing. So she'd feel bad, right? You know, I'd, I'd show tears or I'd show being upset or, you know, whatever, I'd, that would get a reaction. So I knew that I could get out of those things. I'm constantly switching out of behaviors. So I'm constantly switching who I am. So I'm, there's the Jeremy with my mom, there's the Jeremy with my dad, then there's the Jeremy with my grandparents. And the Jeremy with my grandparents is the only authentic human being there was. And you know, for a period of time, I feel like I, my love was, they, they tried to buy my affection, my love, both of them. If I wanted something, I just had to say it, right? If I behaved and I said I wanted to do something, we'd do it. I was three people. I had mastered the ability to change who I was based on who I was with. While Jeremy became a heck of a performer, he started to find his identity in that performance and people sticking around was contingent on him not messing up. This wasn't isolated to just mom and dad. This started to bleed into his friendships as he got older. As far as friends go, I mean, I've had friends come and go. Um, I've been lucky enough in my adult life to link up with some good people, um, which, is, which is nice, but it was hard for me to keep keep friends because you know I I learned that when I really needed somebody I didn't have anybody I was the funny guy I was the one for entertainment I was the one that would you know my goal is to make someone else laugh before they could feel anything negative or before you know I sunk into feeling sad or negative or whatever I, I was that guy I was the one who wanted to make people laugh smile happy um it was not organic at all, and it was forced, and it exhausted me. And, uh, you know, the worst part is, is you know, you, as you develop friends, right, you, you have friends over for stuff. You ask people to come to your birthday party. You, um, so that birthday party that I have pictures of where I have bows on my head and I'm doing whatever it is, three of those kids at that birthday party bullied me senselessly when I was a kid in our neighborhood. They all lived on my street. I mean, they bullied me beyond all belief, but I invited them because I wanted to be cool. But I mean, even now, like, I mean, whether it's work, my parents, my marriage, my parenting, um, you know, my friends, who I know are good friends now, right? I know my good friends now. It's a very tight circle. Um, but even with them, I'm fighting constantly to, like, be accepted. 
right? To be, to be like part of the group. I've never been a part of a group. I've never been like a, you know, as strange as it is, I've never been a part of like a family, right? So I don't know what a, you know, I don't know what a family is. Um, I, I grew up in this weird dynamic of divorced parents and my, my best household was my grandparents. I've tried to figure out how to be enough for anybody. Jeremy finds himself in a relationship with who is now his wife, but the feelings of people-pleasing and performing are still there. In the midst of getting to know each other, Jeremy is trying to figure out how he can be good enough for her, screw up minimally, and keep her around. His childhood is now bleeding into his romantic relationships. I finally decided, you know, I finally realized that, hey, like, I'm holding on, I'm going to hold on to this good thing because every other good thing that's happened in my life goes away. Every other good person eventually finds their way out of my life. Every good thing that happens eventually goes away from me or I screw it up. I was always so scared to make a mistake that if I made a mistake, I just figured, oh, I screwed it up. But, like, you know, I'd make a mistake and I'd see negative reaction. And when I see negative reaction from her, after I've put everything into this, every face of everyone I've tried to make proud would be there, right? And so, like, I'd slip up one time, and I'd get, you know, yelled at or, you know, whatever. You know, a normal couple argument. All right, so I got to I gotta compensate. I got to do something. So I'd try and, you know, I'd immediately try and do something. Like, no no waiting. Like, I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to do something. When I'm, when I'm really struggling, when I'm really down in the dumps, you'll see me do something extreme, um, ex you know, an extreme gift, an extreme act, an extreme thing. That's when I'm really struggling because it makes me feel like I'm valued for a short period of time. It gives me that short bit of relief that says, okay, I can still be valuable to somebody. And if it wasn't well received, that, I mean, that just buried me. So then it'd be like, all right, so she's cheating. She's, you know, she's doing something. You know, there's somebody else. She's already moved on. This was the good thing that I had, and now it's gone again, right? So, like, I lost another good thing. The thought of making a mistake early in our relationship was so scary. And it is scary. When your security is contingent on how well you can perform, and by the imperfection of human nature you are unable to keep it up, it can feel like at any second it is all going to come falling down around you. He had no choice but to start crawling out from underneath these facades and rest in who he wanted to be, not what he thought others needed from him. This has come with a lot of legwork though, through therapy, resurfacing memories, and processing through emotions. also get to now experience a relationship with my dad which you know his new wife is fantastic she's part of the reason she's giving my dad back in a sense my dad makes the time for me right he you know he seeks out things to spend time together we can talk about stuff together I can go to him now and talk to him about therapy I can you know do that I can't with my mom yet um, she's still oh, Emotionally, she's still not 
at a point where I can bring stuff up to her. But my mom loves Marley. And my mom and Marley have a night they spend every week together on Mondays. A kid misbehaves or when a kid is like, you know, doing whatever and I see myself in them or like if I raise my voice or I see something, do I feel like my stepdad? Do I see that fear in my kids, right? I, I you know, a couple times it's like you get close and you're like, ah, I gotta, I, you know, I, I know this is not how I'm supposed to do this, right? But I stopped trying to be perfect. Like mistakes are a thing. The nice part is, is since this is all, you know, since kids, since being a parent, I've learned that those mistakes aren't fatal. They aren't going to kill me. And none of them are going to leave me. It's all unconditional, right? I can still have the intrusive thoughts. I can still feel my own way. But no matter what, at the end of the day, if I have a bad day at work, if I have a bad day, you know, if Caitlin and I are arguing about whatever it is, if it's, it's temporary, none of it's fatal. And that's a message I've carried from my very first therapy session to now is, you know, in these situations, is it fatal? Jeremy thinks and speaks very highly of his grandparents. As they climb in age, I wondered if losing them eventually would be a setback for him in his healing journey. That will be the hardest thing that I'll ever have to deal with, I think, in my life, minus losing, you know, my children or my wife. Um, and, and I still, maybe that could be the top thing ever because of what they mean to me. I've, you know, I've watched as they got older, um, you know, you see some things come and go, right? They're still the same. F mending that relationship with my dad has allowed me to prepare for that. I'll never be ready. And it will, it will crush me. But I, I know I, I won't feel abandonment by that. I won't feel like another person left. I'll feel eternally grateful for them getting me through everything they did and just being like who they are. want to interact with this story more you can find us on facebook and instagram at you define podcast thank you for finding yourself here 
for staying a while. But I have to ask, what defines you? <laughs>